Last week, um, we heard a powerful message from John on what matters. I was really touched by that, Jenny's word and Michelle's. And Billy Hires, if you're listening or watching today, I might not use the word disciple in this message, but this is about discipleship. Uh, so, about three weeks ago, I um, shared a message about I'd rather fight than switch, entering the land, and took us into the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is a book uh, that teaches us many, many, many things. It's over half the Bible, in fact, and uh, much can be gleaned there, and I often live in it. And again, this morning, I want to take us back to the book of Joshua, chapter 7. So if you are interested in turning to Joshua, chapter 7, that's where we'll be spending most of our time today. Masks, uh, I think, were invented by Adam and Eve. They were mask wearers. I'm not sure where they put them. But uh, the masquerade, M-A-S-K-A-R-A-I-D, that's how I'm choosing to spell it. The masquerade uh, started there. And they had something to hide. They had something to hide, and that's why they used these things or something like this. In some form or fashion. Cotton wasn't invented then, I don't think, or discovered. Masks have always been used to cover up, to hide. Uh, The Lone Ranger. Western outlaws. Train robbers. Batman. Clark Kent, he thought he could disguise himself with a pair of glasses. How smart was that? It must have worked, though. The great Bolo, if you remember him from the days of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. In fact, 77 different wrestlers have been masked since 1964. 77, and some still today. Uh, The Flash, Spider-Man. Some people attend costume parties. Halloween. And now we wear the mask to help prevent breathing in or breathing out some unseen disease. I guess that's a good thing, this masquerade. Someone commented recently that they had to look really close at people's eyes to see if they were smiling or frowning. Or maybe their ears pick up or perk up or something. All it seems to do for me is make my glasses fog up, my lips sweaty, or ticklish. Some of these things have a loose thread in them, you know, it's like, or pull my ears out sideways. My my daughter gave me a pair and they're like, it's too short or something, and my ears go like this. looks really stupid, as if I could look any worse. Uh... Or sometimes I pick up the wrong mask. I pick up Gail's, and as some of you may know, she's a lipstick wearer. And now I've got it all over my 
my face as well. I can't tell those things apart. <laughs> Getting her lipstick on my face? <clears throat> Probably. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be um, 45 in November. That's right. So. <clears throat> anyway. Oh, by the way, Chuck, I enjoyed your mandolin back there. But I think masks are here to stay. For many, they will be a lifelong piece of clothing like socks and underwear. You get up in the morning, you pull on your socks, and you pull on your mask. It's just going to stay for many people, I think. But there's still this little problem of trying to hide something. Lance Armstrong, Alex Rodriguez, Ryan Braun, Bill Cosby, Jeffrey Weinstein, and a host of others. What do they have in common? They all had something to hide. And hide it they did. And for months and even years, sometimes even decades, they were able to mask it. But you know, dirt can't hide from intensified tide. And the day comes when secrets are unmasked and the truth is laid bare. But until then, what do we do? We deny. We neglect. We ignore. We lie. We do as Adam and Eve did. We blame someone else. We play the masquerade. But when the bill becomes due, when I'm exposed, when my sin is uncovered, when God comes walking through my little garden and says, Phil, what have you done? All the masks in America won't help me. He will raid my mask. And the disobedience which I have set in motion and tried to hide will like a chain of dominoes, begin to topple. The title of this message is The Masquerade or The Dominoes of Disobedience. Joshua, chapter 6, verse 15. It came about on the seventh day they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city, that is, the city of Jericho. Seven times. Only on that day they marched around the city seven times. And it came about at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets. Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you this city. And the city shall be under the ban. It and all that it that is in it belongs to the Lord. And only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you. Keep yourselves from the things under the ban, lest you covet them and take some of them. So you would make the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble on it. But all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. And they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down, flat. 
so that the people went into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took it. And they utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox, sheep, donkey, with the edge of the sword. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. Father, we pray in Jesus' mighty name for understanding. We open our hearts to your word. It is your word. And it's your desire to challenge us, change us, make us people who are holy unto you, to be as Jesus is, to be disciples of him, and to be like him. So we praise you and we give you thanks for this word in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> for Israel, it was the best of times. And the worst of times, as one great author introduced his book, Charles Dickens, it was one of the greatest days in Israel's history when the walls of Jericho fell down. It was a day when all of Israel saw the supernatural power of Almighty God on awesome display, who vindicated his word and his promises. And it was one of those rare moments when Israel, to a man, responded to the word of the Lord in total obedience. And in their obedience, they saw God's power in full display. That is all but one. We've known days like this, days when we faced a problem, an obstacle, a, a Goliath. In our land, in our way, a fortress, a storm, a challenge. Days when God gave us the solution. Days when God brought our deliverance. Days when God's promises came alive and we took them as our own. And in obedience, we stood by and saw the salvation of our God as he acted on our behalf and tore the walls of our Jericho down. And delivered us and set us free. <clears throat> How happy we were. And so that which defied us, which stood as a double walled fortress, that which in our own human strength we could never overcome, collapsed under the irresistible power of our father. And just as the fame of Joshua was in all the land. So the fame of our Lord is glorified and spreads throughout our lives and the lives of those around us in our world when the Jerichos in us are crushed. Anytime God answers prayer, affects a healing, delivers us, it's an awesome day, a day to be shared, a day of rejoicing. <clears throat> But we be, should beware, my brethren, as we gaze thoughtfully and joyfully from the mountaintops at the fallen walls of Jericho. For never is there greater opportunity or greater reason for our enemy to strike back and attempt to recapture 
territory he has lost. Chapter 7, verse 1. But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. It's interesting. We never say this today. Philip, son of Reuben, son of Francis, son of Richard. Back four generations, five generations. But you know, I represent every one of those men and their wives and their heritage, good or bad. So Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said, go up and spy out the land. So they did. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up. Only about two or three thousand men need to go up to Ai. Do not make all the people toll up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men from the people went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about thirty-six and pursued them from the gate as far as as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. So the hearts of Israel melted and became as water. After any great victory or deliverance, I think there's a tendency to relax, to lose our intensity, to lose our focus. Our focus on God gets a little fuzzy. We relax. At Jericho, it was totally God's affair. And it involved the obedience of Israel. But at Ai, the spies advised Joshua, (laughs) it'll be a breeze. There's not many of those guys up there. We don't have to prepare like we did for the thick walls of Jericho. It's a pushover. No need to seek God too seriously. No need to be quite as diligent, quite as holy, quite as trusting. After all, it's just a few. And look what we did to Jericho. So Israel relaxed. And the enemy struck back. And the few men of Ai overcame the 3,000 of Israel, killing 36 of them. Folks, we can afford no vacations in this life. You might go to the beach or go here or there. And just think, ah, well, we'll just take a little vacation. Leave our Bible at home. Leave the Lord at home. Leave the fellowship at home. Nope. Doesn't work that way. Can't do it. 
Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence. Romans 12.11, do not lag behind in diligence, but be continually fervent in spirit. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. 2 Peter 1.10, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Psalm 119.4, you have ordained your precepts, Lord, that we should keep them diligently. Hebrews 11.6, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If we don't keep our intensity, our diligence, the smallest sin, the tiniest foe, will enter and defeat us. One loose thread on the finest sweater will eventually unravel it. One small tear in your sofa over time, will become larger. You'll have to replace it. One rebellious cell, only one in my body, if left unchecked, will eventually consume me. One careless match, or one purposely dropped match, in a forest, as it happened in Gatlinburg two or three years ago. The fire started like this, but it consumed 1.6 million acres across property lines. Not just my property, but yours and yours. One sin can affect all. These people had saw the Jordan part, manna fall from heaven day after day, the fire. They saw Jericho disintegrate. And now a few men from Ai have managed to scare the wits out of Israel. Joshua chapter 7. Verse 6, Joshua tears his clothes. Tears his clothes. What happened, Lord? How could this be? Why have we been defeated? Only days after the greatest, possibly the greatest victory in military history for Israel. One renowned song, the falling of the walls of Jericho. Now we face this. He cries out to the Lord. And in verse 10, God replies, Joshua, rise up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things under the ban. And have both stolen and deceived and put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. 
They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. And I will not be with you anymore. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. It's a pretty heavy statement from God the Father. Rise up. Consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves tomorrow. For thus the Lord, the God of Israel, says, there are things under the ban in your midst, Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. So the next morning comes and all of Israel, all the millions Gather, tribe by tribe, family by family, all in order. Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel nearby tribes. And eventually, the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought them near. And he took the family of the Zerahites and he brought them near. Man by man, and Zabdi was taken, and he brought his hold near man by man. And Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, was taken. This was not Joshua. This was God Almighty. Joshua didn't know who it was. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, I implore you. Give glory to God, the God of Israel, and praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Don't try to masquerade it any longer. And Achan answers and says, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, Fifty shekels in weight. I coveted them and took them. And they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. Israel comes. They walk by man by man, woman by woman before the Lord himself and the leaders of Israel. And when my family went by and we were cleared, I'm going, man, I'm glad it wasn't my family. And then comes the Zerahites. And I go, oh, my God, I never thought it'd be them. Surely not. Oh, that's my best friend. And then Zabdi, uh, I always knew. I always knew they were greedy. Just knew it. There was just something about them. I just knew that there was something there. And finally, Achan, with his back to the wall, confesses, admits his disobedience. Why is it so hard sometimes just to obey the Lord? 
There was no demon in Achan. If there had, Joshua would have cast it out. Why can't we just come to the place and settle it once and for all? Where we say in agreement with Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect. It restores the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Than much fine gold. They are sweeter than honey. And the drippings of the honeycomb. And by these precepts, commandments, your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there's reward. No great reward. But we think we can fool God. We think we can just sweep it under the carpet, shove it into the closet, hide it under the tent. We think we can pull the wool over his eyes by putting a mask on our mouth. Here's some passages that we talk about no fear in the Lord. Well, I want to tell you, I have a little bit. These three scriptures scare the daylights out of me. Luke eight seventeen. Nothing is hidden that shall not become evident. Nor is there anything secret that shall not come to the light. Luke 12, 3, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner room shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Romans 2, 16, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. There's a lot of things in my life I don't want anybody to know. Anybody to see. Why does confession sometimes come so slowly and grudgingly? Achan could have saved Joshua a lot of trouble and time and saved all of Israel. But he didn't because he wanted to just keep it hidden until, 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 until what? The truth finally comes out and you can't deny it. Lance Armstrong, the famous biker, winner of the uh, French biking race, whatever it's called, the Tour of France, like seven times, nine times. I don't know how many times he won it. Oh, yeah. He threw everybody under the bus, called everybody a cheat and a liar except himself. Collected millions and millions of dollars. 
fame, fortune, started a foundation, got a lot of sympathy and attention until he finally was exposed. And what makes me think I'm any different? Well, I thank God for scriptures like Psalm 130, verse 3. If thou, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? Who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. There is forgiveness. And I believe if Achan, after taking the forbidden things, after doing this horrible thing and and causing the chain of events and the dominoes of disobedience that led to the slaughter of 36 of his fellow kinsmen. If he had come forward in humility and repentance, I believe God would have spared him. Washed him clean and set him back in his home and his family. But Achan wouldn't do it. He thought his masquerade would last. But Achan's sin became Israel's sin. His sin had a domino effect. His one sin affected everybody. You see, one rebellious cancer cell eventually spreads to the whole body. And the whole body is affected. We're in this together. The body of Christ. And in some way, my sin affects you. And your sin affects me. In some way. There's... Not many things God cannot do. But here's one. He cannot forgive an unconfessed sin. Or he chooses not to. He could. But what would be the point? First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, if we Confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sin. We've got to get a hold of something here that sin separates us from God. And God is looking, waiting and yearning for a bride without spot, blemish, wrinkle, sin. So sin must be put aside if we're going to participate in this great ceremony. But I thank God that he is faithful to show me my sin, that I might confess it. To break the chain of the dominoes of disobedience that set in when I sin. And I sin. And I sin to cover up the second sin. And I sin again to cover up the third sin. And now I'm in a real mess. 
God wants to stop this masquerade. While sin remains, AI cannot be taken. But when sin is purged, AI will fall just like Jericho did. And if you read further, you'll see that it happens. After Achan was taken care of, Israel took AI. And after that, Joshua, Joshua remained ever vigilant because he learned his lesson from history, as we all should. I want to learn this lesson for myself. What sin can do to my life and to my body. We've known the joy of seeing victories. We've experienced Jericho's falling. And now let us learn the key to success at AI and the rest of the land that God takes sin seriously, and so should we. And let us press on to a life of holiness, of holy obedience, of diligence, and reverence before our God and follow him into and through the abundant land he wants to give us and is ours through our Lord Jesus. This land of milk and honey, this land that's ours, the abundant life of Christ in the kingdom of God. And if we walk this way, we know that nothing can stand in our way because he goes before us and we follow as his completely obedient children. For the law of the Lord is perfect. It restores the soul. The testimony of my Lord is sure. It makes the simple wise. The precepts of the Lord are right. And when I get a hold of them, it makes my heart rejoice. God's commandments are pure. They enlighten my eyes and allow me to see truth. The fear of my God is clean. The respect of him, not fearing things, but respect and fear of my Lord. The judgments of my Lord are true and altogether righteous. Every one of them. I want to desire them more than gold. I want to desire them more than the sweetest honey. Who can discern his errors? Who can discern his errors? Lord, acquit me. Acquit me of my hidden faults. Those things I try to hide. And keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. And so then I shall be blameless. And I shall be acquitted of great transgression. 
because of the blood of the Lamb. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. O Lord, my God, for the rest of my days. Father, we praise you today. That you are so concerned about our lives and the life of your body. That your heart would be to eradicate us, to perfect us in Jesus Christ. That sin would not master us, but we would be masters over sin because of the power of the Spirit within us. So, Lord, in this moment, we pray that your Spirit would examine us right this moment. If there's any unconfessed sin, Lord, bring it to our, our conscious awareness that we might just confess it to you now. Because we want to walk with you, Father. In your holiness. And to be the men and women and boys and girls and children. That you have called us to be. To embrace and enjoy the abundance of life we have in Jesus our Lord. And we thank you today for the mighty cleansing power of your spirit. For the blood of the Lamb. For the power that's in that blood to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And to restore our souls. Father, may we learn from Achan that we will not reproduce that. We would seek your truth, your commandments, your word, your life. And we give you mighty praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we say a mighty amen. Amen. So, love one another. Hallelujah.